One guy, one gal, one actor, and one year. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Kevin, Kevin Costner, Costner Project. Good evening, Greg. Good evening, Kate. What an evening. Yeah, it's almost 10 at night on the East Coast. We have to work tomorrow. Yeah, we do. But we just finished No Way Out. And I don't think we have any way out, except we got to record this. Absolutely. What a movie. Yeah. I'm still in shock. I don't even, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth this evening. Your jaw even dropped during the movie. It did. Thank you, Kevin. (laughs) Fridays are my bad days at work, and this is Thursday night, and I know I'm going to go in with a short fuse tomorrow, but I don't even care. So, what are we talking about? We're talking about No Way Out. It's rated R, 1987 action movie, hour and 53 minutes. And it's got a star-studded cast. Wait, what's Kevin's role in this movie? He is Lieutenant Commander Tom Farrell. He was a Navy man. Yeah. I have a thing about Navy men, and he did look good in his Navy whites. Yeah. If anybody else has a thing about Navy men. Okay, yes, this had quite a cast of stars... Sort of stars and really good character actors. Let's talk about some of the people we saw. I think the biggest name besides Kevin is Gene Hackman. Correct. He plays sort of the somewhat evil villain. Right. He's the defense secretary. Yeah. Who else? Sean Young. She was a big fixture back in the day. I saw her in Stripes. Now, I did look up her resume, and I haven't seen much that she's been in, but I definitely know her name. Did you know who she was? No, I don't think I did know her, but I did know a few others, such as uh, Will Patton. I remembered him from Armageddon. Iman, who David Bowie was married to her. She's a supermodel and total babe. It was kind of exciting to see her as an actress. I don't think I've ever seen her as an actress before. Jason Bernard, who, if uh, as you're coming into the holiday season, like me, you like to plug in while you were sleeping and watch Sandra Bullock fall in love with Bill Pullman. Jason Bernard is her boss in that movie, and I knew I knew him from somewhere. It was making me crazy. Who else? There's a couple others still. We've got Fred Dalton. Thompson. You knew him. I did Yes. Didn't. He, I have seen plenty of times on Law and & Order. And finally, David Paymer. Even if you don't know the name David Paymer, I guarantee if you Google him and look at his face, you're going to know who he is. He's a big time character actor. He's been in like every single possible thing you can imagine. Movies, TV shows... I don't even know what I recognize him from. I'm guessing City Slickers, but I've seen him in multiple movies. And I couldn't think of his name. Remember we were watching and I was like, oh my gosh, it's that guy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So that's the notable co-stars. It was packed. I thought it was a good cast. So saying, this movie ran an hour and 53 minutes. Right. What was the ratings on this one? IMDb gave it a 7.1. 
and Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 91%. So as we said, it's an hour and 53 minutes long. And for my money, it didn't get good until the last five minutes. Yeah, yeah. The surprises sort of came right at the end there. But the last five minutes were so jaw-droppingly good that I was almost happy I had to sit through the first hour and 48 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you were complaining at about 41 minutes in. Like, is this where's, what's going on the with this? The first hour was terrible, in my opinion. It was just like setting up the story, yeah. which is that Kevin Costner's character, Tom Farrell or something like that. Yes, Lieutenant Commander Tom Farrell is brought on board the Secretary of Defense's staff. The Secretary of Defense, as I think you said, was played by Gene Hackman. Correct. By his good friend, Scott, who is like the Secretary of Defense's right-hand man. So they meet at a party. He meets Sean Young at the same party. She looks stunning. He falls instantly in love with her. She falls in love with him. They did in the back of a limousine. Yep. And then they kick him on out of her own apartment. Oh, right. But plot twist, she is the Secretary of Defense's mistress. Correct. So, doesn't matter. Kevin's going to pursue her anyway. And on one fateful night, they have just come home from like a little mini vacation down to the Chesapeake Bay. And she gets a phone call that the Secretary of Defense is on his way over. And Kevin got to go. Well, she also confesses who it is that she's been seeing besides him. Right, right. He knows that she's somebody's mistress. Right. So he walks out. There's the Secretary of Defense standing on the sidewalk. Now, I don't know. Maybe Gene Hackman has shitty eyesight or something. But it was quite obvious it was Kevin Costner standing there. He was in shadows. He wasn't directly in the light like Gene was. Not that much, though. Well, I don't know. Apparently, Gene's eyesight isn't very good. That's what I'm thinking. Gene sees a figure in the shadows, and he knows he's been spotted. Next thing you know, we're not giving anything away here. Gene and Sean Young have a fight, and accidentally... Well, it gets violent, which is not an accident, first of all. Correct. But then, in the course of this, accidentally, Gene pitches her over a railing, and she breaks her neck and dies. Correct. Smashes through a glass table and... was extremely dramatic. Yes, yes it was. Um, They even seemed to slow it down. That, I think, was an accident. But him smacking her around a bit was not any accident whatsoever. Gene Hackman, I hope you're not like that in real life. I'm sure we would have heard about it if he was, right? Yeah. He doesn't seem the type. but I mean, most of them don't seem the type, I would say. Right. Anyhow, now the race is on because Scott has to go in as the cleaner and clean up the entire scene. However, there's some sort of a thing about Russian spies. Right. So they're trying to pin it on a supposed Russian spy that has infiltrated the U.S. But it didn't completely make sense. Like there's this Russian submarine project that the CIA wants real bad and the Secretary of Defense is like, no, we are not having a Russian submarine. And so I think it had something to do with like the this Russian spy maybe has infiltrated the CIA 
to steal the information about the submarine or I don't re- honestly I don't know. Yeah, it, it's supposed to be a submarine that can't be detected or something, but they talked about oh they're going to make it so big so it'll definitely be detected type thing. Yeah. Very... And also it's to fight the Russians because this is 1987 during the Cold War. Mm. So why would a Russian spy want them to build an invisible submarine? To fight the Russians. I don't know. It, that Who cares? Whole, that whole part of it was a little weird. So anyways, they're at the Pentagon and, well, Scott is attempting to pin this murder on anybody except the Secretary of Defense. So they come up with the scheme that Yuri, the Russian spy, has killed her. They get basically the entire Pentagon involved in locating this individual. But Kevin knows the truth. And, of course, the investigation is not really above board. It's definitely shenanigans yeah. going on. and So that's basically the first hour of the film, I would say. And then they waste about 25 minutes of just Kevin running in circles to avoid two goons who it is not ultimately clear who they're working for. Yeah, I, I think... Scott hired them. They seem to have access to everything. Well, anyways, uh, eventually he knocks one guy out with a fire extinguisher. Yes, and then gets cut on the arm by the other one. It's it's whole. Whatever. They sort of catch him, but then he confesses to his pal, Sam, who he trusts. Then Sam dimes him out to Scott. Scott. And then Scott shoots him. Sam. Shoot Sam, not Shoots. not Kevin. Right, right. Sorry. Yes. And they seem to feel they have this Russian spy cornered. And then it all looks like it's going to come down on either Kevin or the Secretary of Defense. And then Scott intervenes, takes one for the team. And in what I have to say... I mean, I've sat through Zombieland six million times. This was the most shocking scene of a death I think I have seen in quite a long time. I think as Americans, we are generally desensitized to this sort of thing because there's a lot of violence in our pop culture. Correct. Right? I mean, that's we, our gun culture in this country is... It's fucked up out of control anyway and it permeates every aspect of what we consume this is no different scott picks up a gun he's attempting to shoot all kinds of things fortunately other than sam which frankly he was standing in front of sam and still had to plug him three times before he managed to kill the guy then he goes should we even say what who he shoots i don't know look this movie's from 1987 Okay, if you haven't seen it by now, we'll put in the show notes. Skip ahead if you don't want to where we actually rate it. Scott puts the gun to his own head and shoots himself. And you literally, like, I feel it was in slow motion, see his hair puff out and his brains shoot out the side of his head. Yeah, that's exactly what you see. could have lived without seeing that. Can I be honest? Not a fan of that. That type of stuff that happened... Towards the end there, I mean, that pales in comparison to the rest of the movie. It's like the the rest of the movie was just a... Well, now we're about an hour and 40 minutes into this thing. 
and we have 13 minutes left. So of course, the idea is that they can pin this entire thing on Scott being Yuri and the whole thing will go away. The issue is Kevin Costner knows the truth. So then we see him sitting next to the grave of the young lady that was killed. And she she chose well. Her grave was spectacular. Yes. She was like next to this beautiful little lake. It looked very serene. If I was going to be buried in a cemetery, I wouldn't mind that kind of a plot. I don't want that, but it was beautiful. Good to know. Maybe uh, you can find, you know, a water view in which to plant my bones anyway. Well, you want to become a, a like a willow, a willow tree. tree. So willows love water. Yeah. So, you know, make that happen. Okay. We need to buy some waterfront property somewhere or something. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. And then these and two... And then these two goons show up. Was yeah. it the same two goons? No, it was different. They're the same guys from the beginning of the movie. Remember, he was sort of getting interrogated at the beginning of the movie. Yes. And then it flashes back. Right. Okay. Well, he bled all over his Navy White's wound, and he wore the hell out of them, rolling around in the grass and jumping on trees. Yep. But they stick him in a car, and they drive him to this house that is probably based on... My limited knowledge of that part of Virginia, I'm going to say, like, Arlington, Alexandria. It doesn't look like that today. I'll guarantee you that. It is built up to hell today. Probably. In fact, as an aside, Washington, D.C. itself has changed a lot since this movie was made. We can come back to that, but it was very interesting. Yeah. Okay, so they take him to this safe house, and they're interrogating him. And he sees on this wall that there's a mirror. It's clearly a double-sided mirror like the cops use. you got right. the big cheese behind it watching the proceedings. And he comes over and he yells that, like, that guy better come out. He's tired of answering questions or whatever. But the jaw-dropping thing, the door opens, and it's the super from his apartment building or something yes. like that. And I'm like... And I, we were like... What? Wait a minute, what? Who's this old guy? Like, we knew it was his manager of his apartment building, but it was like, what the heck's he doing back there? And then they start speaking Russian to each other. Kevin Costner speaks Russian, y'all. Oh, my God. It turns out he is a Russian spy. My heart is pounding now. We ha we finished this a half an hour ago, and just saying the words out loud, my heart is pounding. I was literally, Greg's not exaggerating, my jaw dropped to my chest. I was like, what in the hell is this? I never knew anything about this movie until we started researching the stuff and and finding out that this movie was based on on other stuff and like it was already oh yeah it was based on a book it was based on a book the big clock by kenneth fearing which was written in 1946 and it was previously filmed as the big clock in 1948 and the police python mm-hmm 357 in 1976. So this is the third version of this. I haven't heard of either of those. I haven't no. heard of the book. But I'm going to tell you, the payoff for this was incredible. I had no idea. 
I didn't see it coming. No. He was off being a naval hero, saving men from being washed overboard, partying with strippers in the Philippines with all the other Navy guys. He was a straight arrow Navy officer. And then come to find out, he was a Russian spy all along, and they really did have him cornered. And they let him go. They, they, there I'm are no words. tell you guys, okay, I can't handle it when I don't know the ending of something. Like, that is supposed to be suspenseful. Right. So, just this past year, I finally got around to reading Flowers in the Attic, the classic V.C. Andrews horror novel. About halfway through... I was like, I can't take it anymore. I got to see if these flowers get out of the attic. So I skipped ahead and I read the last like three pages or something to see what was going on. And then I went back. I was calm. I was like, okay, they get out of the attic. Who cares? I can read this now. I read it. It was great. Very good book. I can see what the controversy is about it. But when I got to the end, it turned out I hadn't read enough of the end, and the ending was shocking, you guys. This had a similar payout. I was fully prepared to give this movie a three. No way. The ending has really done it for me. Did some of the some of the reason that you also brought its level up because of Kevin's acting, or was was it mostly just the shock? just the shock honestly the payout was so good that i'm not even angry that i wasted like an hour and a half of my time watching all the nonsense <laughs> this effort i was like okay this is just a movie for your standard stereotypical american male which Frankly, Greg, no offense, but you are not. I already knew that quite <laughs> yeah. a while ago. I know you wanted a more stereotypical <laughs> man, but uh, that I, I did not. not want that. But okay, I got what I wanted. Okay, I think most guys would watch this. Probably, like standard dudes would probably be into this. Sean Young is smoking hot. Now, we have since found out that she was on celebrity rehab and she unfortunately developed a bit of a drinking problem sometime in the 90s. Sean, we hope you're enjoying sobriety and doing well. But she was smoking hot. She was prancing around in her underwear. So you got hot, sexy chicks wearing little or no clothing. Amon looked like a million dollars. Yep. You have... A lot of gunfights, mm -hmm. a good bit of action, and computers. What more do dudes want? Oh, strippers? Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, that. <laughs> that's probably one of the scenes even average guys will just be like, let's repeat that scene. Yeah, <laughs> and the military. Mm -hmm. God, guns, and guts. This literally was that. God, guns, and guts. <laughs> well, I guess not much God, no, actually, no, but no. guns and guts for sure. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, this is just a movie for men. That's what the point of this movie is. And I'm not enjoying it because I am female. Maybe that's stereotypical of me to say. There's probably plenty of women who at least enjoyed watching Kevin as a Navy man. I did enjoy that. I'm not going to lie. And there are plenty of women that are probably out there and they're into their guns and and stuff like that. So they may enjoy it as much as 
what we think of as a typical For guy. Sure. Um, so we shouldn't just stereotype that all of one sex or the other. But yeah, um, there are pl- probably plenty of guys in my situation that it's not really exactly my cup of tea. Yes, uh, of course, seeing some titties on the screen. I like that. <laughs> Greg! <laughs> I see. Well, I have two shocked things her. have shocked me this evening. <laughs> I definitely have shocked her here. <laughs> Your mother listens to this podcast, Gregory. <laughs> well, okay, so... We have to make a good podcast, you know? I know, that's for sure. I'm going to say that almost I didn't finish. Yeah, you at one point there, you paused it, and you're like, this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, Yana came home from school late. She'd been out with some friends. We paused it for like half an hour. Yeah. We chatted with her, and I was like, oh, I could just stop now, go about my business, and I would be fine. I would never have known what I was missing. Yeah. I'm glad we finished it. It definitely definitely made it worth it. How did you feel about the film overall? As you said, just sort of the slowness of the the movie. I mean, they give you a lot of background and sort of like, of course, they didn't give you all the background until like the end. And it's all surprise. Kevin's with the Russians. It's very strange to me. So it's an action movie, but... The true action didn't happen until the end. I mean, yes, there was, like, the dramatic, like, rescue that Kevin's character did on aboard the naval ship they were on, but most of the action was, like, in the last... It was a hell of a lot of foot chases. There was one car crash scene that took, what, two minutes, maybe? Yeah. And then he hopped out and ran around, and then these guys were chasing him. And then somehow, did he run back to the Pentagon or something? I don't know, but then he, suddenly he, he, he was he, back at the Pentagon. Yeah, he had to get that piece of paper that proved that Gene Hackman's character... Had that jewelry box. Right, exactly. Which tied him to the crime scene. There was like this close miss where the... The eyewitnesses who knew what he looked like were coming down the hallway and he had to find somewhere to hide before they could spot him and finger him. Right, and one of them did briefly see him and said, oh, that's the guy, but he managed to evade that. um... Yeah, he evaded capture. It did not make me feel terribly patriotic. I suppose it made me feel like, look how crooked our government is. They were talking this submarine would cost a billion dollars in 1987. And there there were like senators involved in trying to push this through. Gene Hackman, I'll give him this, as the Secretary of Defense, at least he was like, no, this is bullshit. What was that airplane they were all nuts about that could defy radar back about this time period? This might have been an answer to that, like, how much crap that was. Oh. And it didn't really work. I don't know if it works today, but there was some kind of airplane the Air Force was hot yeah. on buying because supposedly it was undetectable and whatever. Right. So I, anyway, I felt like, okay, it's all about money and politics. This is foolish. So I didn't love the action. I didn't love the politics. 
I didn't feel patriotic. I just, I'm just here for the payoff. Well, the politics are about the same as today's. Yeah. Hasn't changed. No, I agree. How do you think Kevin did? Well, he definitely was Mr. Heroic in this and... Except <laughs> that even Yana said that one little part on the boat, the ill-timed jump to save that dude, supposedly the waves were washing overboard and this guy was going to fall to his death in the yeah. sea. And Kevin takes a leap to like go save him and he falls on the dry deck with not a, not a wave in sight. That was a bit silly. And when some of the waves came crashing over, he should have been washed clear away. Yeah. That was movie magic there. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it, the boat didn't even look real, honestly. It was yeah. probably like a hull and two guys with a bucket flinging water around. <laughs> well. They did their best, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. But uh, overall, I'm sorry I interrupted. I do think that his acting in this, he's definitely come a long way. Mm-hmm. He couldn't have done this a few years before this, I don't think. I think that with the Fandango and Silverado and the Untouchables and American Flyers in there, I think that those really sort of started catapulting him to really learn how to do his acting just a lot better like as a craft as a, as a skill yeah yeah do you when we're watching this do you feel like we're watching kevin costner or do you feel like we're watching lieutenant commander tom farrell be honest i find it hard sometimes to remember to call him by his character in the movie I definitely, most often when we're doing the podcast, I, I say Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're on a first name basis now. Yeah. Well, I feel like, yeah, it is kind of challenging to, because we're so hyper-focused because of what we're doing exactly, here, that yep. it's hard to not see Kevin Costner. But I do think he is a good enough actor to overcome that and I actually think I see his character a lot I don't just see him okay yeah I, I think my main thing is just that I refer to him as Kevin not saying that he's not doing a good job acting it's just I quite often forget his character's name yeah yeah <laughs> partly because of just our focus on him as the our actor i do think he's acted pretty well basically from the beginning mm -hmm. i i don't want to say he was born to it but i mean he seems to have a natural talent for acting yeah i mean even those first few lines that he said in in sizzle beach i knew there was something i knew he had something there and i mean finally they really gave him his shot at stuff and boom, a yeah. star was born. <laughs> yeah, I think so. He had he has good presence and I think I think we can see how he got to this point anyway. Um 
And this is really sort of the first action thing we've seen him in. Is that right? I, I Western doesn't count because that's its own genre. Right. I don't think any of the other ones just said that it was action. I think th- this is the first one that actually said action by itself. Kevin Costner, action star. How did he do? I definitely give him a thumbs up. Me too. He was good. And I think based on our reaction at the end, that tells you how good he did. Yeah. How good of a job he did. Absolutely. Next question on our list of things to consider as we're reviewing this is, did I feel some kind of way? Well, Kate definitely did with her jaw dropping. (laughs) Yes, I did. I don't know if it was, it must have been the way I was supposed to feel. I would think so. I think it was meant to shock. I can sort of picture it in the theaters in 1987 and everybody in the theater, one big... That would have been fun to be a part of. That's a great point, Greg. I wish wish in a way I could... I, I was only 12 at this time, so it's unlikely my parents were going yeah, to allow uh, me to see something s- like that. Same here. Or I that mean, 12-year-old me would have been interested in this. Right. I wasn't really into that uh, yeah. back then. But, I was more into, like, the Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> we do have an independent movie theater here. I wonder if we could sweet-talk them into maybe doing a No Way Out night. Just to see what it would be like to be in a group of people. We got to get mega famous with this podcast so we can draw a crowd and then screen No Way Out together. Well, hey, Kevin, if you have any pull, maybe you can (laughs) help us do this. Yeah, called The Little Theater in Rochester. Let's get together and talk this over. Would you watch it again? Boy, um... I definitely could skip through some of the stuff in the beginning and just w- watch the last maybe 40 minutes. <laughs> Do you think we have to sit through that stuff for the payoff to be so good? Yes. I mean, the problem is you try and watch something like this again. You already know the answer. You know the answer at the end. So movies like this, it's hard to want to watch it again. Because you're going to be like, oh, I know what's happening at the end. I suppose there are people out there that would love watching stuff like this again. But I guess for myself, it's not that I didn't like it and that I wouldn't watch something again. It's just that it's hard when there's such a dramatic thing at the end that you're stuck with that memory I and mean, it's it, you can't really erase that from your your psyche so if you start watching the movie again it's sort of like yeah you know the end of the book maybe 20 years from now we could watch it again i suppose like yeah if, if we had some distance from it but i don't think i would watch it again okay i just don't think i want to sit through the first hour and a half again yeah He was a smooth operator, for sure, making that girl fall in love with him, which he does say in the interrogation room was part of the plan. He said, you told me to make her fall in love with me or something, and I did that. 
He took a page out of your playbook. He just hopped on her second date. Um, there was no way out for Sean Young, that's for sure. I There was no way out for one Kate Axolute either. You got to admit it, Greg. Admit it to the world. Yeah. I, you jumped on that pony fast and rode it hard. Oh, shit. I don't want to say that. That sounds dirty. <laughs> well, um, Kate, I, I think we, we've we passed the point on which this uh, podcast can be considered a not, uh, like a PG. Yeah, that's true. I mean, from the first episode... Well, that was episode two. Oh, sorry. Episode two. Okay. Episode one, it wasn't bad. Episode one, it was clean. After that, it was all downhill. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, let's leave that behind because I can't believe I just said that. What you going to rate it, Greg? <laughs> um, uh, oh, boy. Um, That's a fun noise. I look forward to leaving that one in here. Look at the... Look at the beautiful <laughs> patterns on our audio software. God. <laughs> the beginning of this movie, I think you felt the same way. You you wanted to rate it like a one. I, I was at a three. Oh, sorry. You were at a three. But by the end, I know that you had pushed it up. I think... Because of how it was a little dull for a bunch of it at the beginning. Unfortunately, I can't can't agree with Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. No. Um, partly because of Kevin's uh, acting, and he did a great job. I'm willing to push this to a five. I think because of the movie having such a slow start to get to where the real action was i imagine it probably lost a lot of viewers and they said oh whatever it almost lost us yeah truth be told exactly but because of a lot of what happened at the end of the movie and because of kevin's acting it got me up to a five. I couldn't push it any higher just because of other stuff. Well, I hate to tell you you're wrong. I'm wrong. But you're wrong. Okay. I'm giving it a six. But only one point higher than me. Okay. Yeah, but it's still a point. Okay, why a six instead of a five? What, what? I haven't had a visceral reaction like that to a movie, I guess, since The Sixth Sense. It was, for me, akin to that. The only thing is that The Sixth Sense was interesting from the first moment you watched. This did take a hell of a long time. I'm giving it a six because it had a really good cast. Okay. I don't think you can really go wrong with Gene Hackman most of the time. I don't know. This isn't the Gene Hackman project, but... Every single time I've seen him, he's great. Right. And pair him with Kevin Gosner and you got... Yeah, they were really good together, kind of antagonizing each other and not really trusting each other. He looked great. He acted great. I just... The the payoff was good enough for me to make it a six. My brain's telling me it's a six. Okay. 
I think for myself, I didn't have the jaw-dropping reaction that you did. So I can see why you would push it to the six. Yeah. You seemed surprised, but not like stunned. I was stunned. Right. And I saw it in your eyes. Yeah. I was like, what? Now, we did pause the movie briefly, and I got a great, like, right at the right time. I'm going to post that picture to our Instagram just for fun. You don't have to have the right words. I don't. I can't. It's just a, a muddle in there. Could have done without the uh, stripper bar in the Philippines, frankly. Could have done with Sean Young keeping her shirt on. But it was the 80s, as we know. Could have done with a lot less bullshit for the first 90 minutes. But beyond that, it was great. And David Paymer, me screaming, it's that guy! That was fun. I don't know why. That kind of cracked me up. So... A seven, a six for me, not a seven, Jesus. A six for me, a five from you. Yep. Any final thoughts about No Way Out? Should people watch I think people should watch it at least once. Um, I mean, we did sort of reveal a lot of stuff in this episode about the movie, but really to get the sense of really what the movie's about, you have to watch it. I mean, even if you listen to our podcast and watch the movie afterwards, I think some people may still have that reaction that you did, Kate. Um, And I don't really think there's much more to say. Just be prepared to have a long wait. All right, what's coming up next? Are we going to play ball here finally? Yes, two in a row. Woohoo! Bull Durham and Field of Dreams. Okay. So we'll be back with that next week. Now, this episode is coming out on December 12th. If you are on our Facebook, you will have by now seen the ad for Kevin's new coffee. Don't forget that through December 15th, we are running our own contest so that you can win a box of Kevin Costner's new Green Mountain Coffee Blend. All you have to do is subscribe on either Amazon Music or Spotify and leave us a five-star review. And then just let us know you've done it and we will enter you in our drawing. We will draw on our podcast next week when we talk about Bull Durham. Alrighty. Have you seen Bull Durham? Yeah, I've seen it in the past. It's been quite a while. I have not, so uh, yeah, I've it'll seen be seen Feel the Dreams plenty of times, but that's watchable many times. Oh yes. So, okay. Well, good night, Greg. It's almost eleven o'clock now. Jeez. Fortunately, we boil these podcasts down so you don't have to listen to all our nonsense. But uh, I think it's time we some of our nonsense is fun though. Hit the hay and get on to bed. Yep. All right. Good night. Good night, folks. Bye, everyone. Bye. Мы думали, что мы тебя никогда больше не увидим. Я тоже так думал. Ты бы не мог это лучше сделать. Не так быстро. Мне трудно по-русски. It's been very long for me. The Kevin Costner Project is produced by October 10 Productions. Our theme music is Happy Acoustic Guitar Background Music by Music Unlimited via Pixabay.com. Audio clips included under fair use policies in our best accordance with U.S. copyright law. 
You can find us online at thekevincostnerproject.com or by searching Facebook, Instagram, Twitter X, or TikTok for The Kevin Costner Project. This podcast is not endorsed by Kevin Costner or his agents yet.